0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now... Here is Pastor Albert with today's word.
1: This morning, the title of my message, The Blessings, or The Blessing of Obedience and the Penalty of Greed. The Blessing of Obedience and the Penalty of Greed. We're going to be reading in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5. And we're going to start with verses 1 through 15. But I'm going to ask you to keep your Bible open because we're going to go through that entire chapter this morning. Amen. We're going to keep it in the old school, Sunday school uh, way. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, We're going to do an expositional breakdown of a really familiar story to some. And uh, I promise that uh, we're going to get some deep insights into it as we move forward. 2 Kings chapter 5 beginning at verse number 1 in 2 Kings chapter 5, and the word of the Lord says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on, on... Raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus, said the girl who is from the land of Israel. The king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man uh, sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king Israel had torn his clothes that he said to the king saying, Why? Have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand on and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the far part, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh, was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And when he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now therefore, please take a gift from your servant. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. How many remember this story from Sunday school? Amen. (laughs) Praise God. I'm going to do my best to uh, go a little bit deeper into this and get some lessons in which we could apply them to our lives today. This story of Naaman, Uh, has some very unique and interesting parallels. And and hopefully you understand where we're headed. But I believe that these parallels, they were true then and they hold true today. And we could learn lessons from this whole story if we apply it to our lives. Now let's get into the message. Nathan, Naaman, excuse me. Naaman was a commander-in-chief. He was a general, a victorious, conquering general, successful in battle. He was riding on his war horse, a valiant sign of victory, victorious, and God had allowed him to win the victory. Go figure that one out. He had all the makings of the next president, except there was one simple problem. He was a leper. During one of his raids, the Bible says that he brought back a little slave girl, a little servant girl, a nobody type of girl. She was a prize. She was a trophy from one of his victorious battles. She was a spoil of war. And uh, she was now going to be the servant to Naaman's wife. But this little girl was filled with the knowledge and understanding of the Lord God of Israel. Hallelujah. She had compassion on the general and gave him an apt word in in a right season. How many know that a simple word can change everything? You know, think of it. She was a captive. She was taken prisoner. She was now going to be made a slave. And with the eyes of the Lord, with the eyes of compassion, with the tender eyes, she looked upon her master's husband, her, 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 the servants, she was the, the servant to the wife, but she looked upon the husband in his leprosy and said, if only he could see the man of God from Israel, he will surely be healed of his disease. Words are so powerful. Words are so needed, especially in desperate times. Words have the power to change the course of somebody's life. Words have the power to change the direction of somebody's life. How many have been saved by one single verse of the Bible? One verse can change a whole lifestyle. Words can heal. Words can build up. Words can edify. But words also can destroy. We have the words of the Lord. We have the word of truth. But how often do we really share those words with those in our life? Uh, The reality is unless we believe those words like the little girl believed in the words, we really won't share it and we won't uh, impart those words on anyone else and the reality is we won't even live it. Sometimes we say things to others And we may have felt at the time it had no significance, it had no effect, but later those people will come back and say, man, those words that you shared with me, they changed my life. They had so much impact. And you're saying wow, I didn't even realize it. And you say, well, praise the Lord. God bless you. Praise the Lord. And you don't even realize. But you know what it is, is that God speaks through his servants. And if you are in tune with the spirit of God, and if you are abiding in the presence of God, God will always give you what to say, when to say. And it won't even be you speaking anymore, but it'll be the Lord speaking through you. How many have ever experienced that in their life? Words have lasting effects. We see in the Bible, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5, we see when the Sanhedrin, they were considering killing Peter and John and a name, a man by the name of Gamaliel. I hope I pronounced it correctly. He spoke up and said, listen to these words. Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men, you will only find yourselves fighting against God, hallelujah, how many understand that when you have the authority, the boldness of God, you can declare the word, and people will try to fight against you, they'll try to come against you, but they'll only be fighting against the Lord, if God is with you, nothing else matters, hallelujah, or again, we see in the book of Acts chapter 8, the story of of Philip with the eunuch, and and he's writing, uh, 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 the, the eunuch is on his chariot, he's reading the word, and he says, what are you reading? Do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch said, I would understand if somebody could break it down. How many people are prepared to break it down? Hallelujah. So often we want to be helpful. We want to be used by God, but we don't know how to rightfully divide the word of truth. We have not studied and showed ourselves approved. We have no idea. And what we do most of the time will go, tut, 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 tut. yeah, yeah, Pastor. Yeah, I got a friend right here that, that he's reading some. He's got a couple of questions. Can you answer them? There's going to come a time, people of God, where you're going to have to stand on your own two feet. If you got nothing in the reserve tank, then you got nothing to give. Remember last week, we talked about it. You can't give what you don't have. Hallelujah. And if you don't spend time in the presence of God, guess what? You have nothing to offer. Naaman. Heard the word of a little slave girl. He heard the word and then he went out and got permission from the king of Syria to go to the king of Israel for his healing. He was loaded with silver and gold and clothing. Uh, I'm telling you, it was a whole entourage that went with him. He was loaded. There was riches and, and glory and all kinds of gifts that came along with the person who could heal him of his leprosy the king of Israel, was visited. And when he heard the letter, he started to freak out. He tore his clothes. When someone tore their clothes, I mean, that's it. It's over. The end. I'm it. You know, remember the raid, they just became victorious over Israel in the raid. He probably said, this guy's coming back now to finish the job. He's coming back to destroy me. What quarrel does he want with me now? Am I God that I could heal him? I know this is a trick. He's going to say, well, you didn't heal me. So off with your head. He was panicked. He was terrified. He says, you know what? I'd rather them just leave me alone. And he tore his clothes. Hallelujah. But thank God, the man of God, Elijah, his successor. Hallelujah. He said, send him to me. Let me deal with this man and I will show him that there's a prophet in the land of Israel. How many know that there needs to be more men of God, more women of God that are ready to fight the good fight of faith and not be afraid of doing the works of God. We need to have a a relationship with God. We need to have our relationship intact so that we would be ready in season and out of season. When the time comes to react or act, you will be ready. I talk about it all the time about being proactive. How many people are not proactive? They are more or less reactive. They react when the problem happens. This is why we need to have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Because if you ain't prayed up, if you ain't fasted up, if you don't have anything in reserve, what happens is when that problem comes, when that demon arises, when that spirit of wrath comes, then you will have nothing to fight with. Naaman... Came on his white horse and he arrived uh, with the the money and the servants and all that. And Elijah sends out his servant. By the way, the servant's name, we're going to talk about him in a little while. His name is Gehazi. And he sent out his servant. He said, Go and dip and wash in the Jordan seven times, and you will be clean. Remember, last week we talked about the the, the Jordan being the descender, the dividing line between the flesh and the spirit, between the natural and the supernatural. I want you to remember that. Naaman was furious. He was full of arrogant pride. He says, are you kidding me? I came all the way out here, and you can't even come out of your house and give me my propers, give me my respect? Don't you know who I am? I'm a general. I've got position. I've got title. As a matter of fact, I just defeated you guys in battle. The least you could do is give me some respect. And Elijah was like, ain't nobody got time for that, man. (laughs) Ain't nobody got time for that. Listen, you want to get healed? Do this. Do it or you don't get healed. It's that simple. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. He says, can't you lay hands on me? Can't you do some type of religious stuff? Can't you say abracadabra? Can't you do something? Where's the lights, the camera, the action? Where's the parade? Where's all the attention on me, the valiant conqueror? Am I a dog? Am I not just anyone? I'm a general. You see, what you're hearing here is pride. He was full of pride. Why dip in the Jordan River? That, That river's nasty. Why not go to the clean rivers? Why not go to these other rivers in Damascus? Why not dip in there? I'm special. I should be seated in the right place. I should be given the right. Don't you see all the goods that I brought with me? How dare you disrespect me like this? Naaman was ready to turn away from the miracle of God that was awaiting him. He was ready to turn away from the one and only thing that could heal him, which is obedience to the word of the living God. Let me just say this, saints of the most high God. Don't let your emotions get in the way of the Word of God. Don't let your feelings interrupt what God is doing on the earth. Everybody's feelings and everybody's emotions are so high right now. We're all sensitive. We're all ready to be offended. We get offended for everything. We're ready to get up and walk out of the room right now everybody's at high alert high tilt high alert it's awful don't let your emotions get in the way if you're angry the bible says be angry but do not sin that's it. do not let your anger cause you to do something stupid that you're going to regret later or something stupid that's going to hurt an innocent life Many people miss their blessings. Many people miss their healing. Many people miss their promotion because they let their feelings get in the way. Why was Naaman so furious? Because he had a murmuring spirit. Uh, Naaman was a complainer. Naaman was full of arrogant pride. He was never satisfied. Now, the Bible doesn't say, but I'm going to surmise maybe he didn't have his father growing up. Maybe his mother wasn't pouring love into him as a child maybe there were people in his life that never taught him about love never taught him about kindness never taught him about mercy and he became so full of hate and so full of rage and so full of wrath that he got good at killing people he got good at fighting he got good at hating he got good at at tearing people to pieces he got good at talking to people like they were dogs He got good at it. A murmuring spirit. Do you know that a murmuring spirit removes and prevents the hand of God from operating in your life? The negative people, they always find the negative, never the positive. They're never looking for solutions. Negative people are always in hopeless situations. I'll go a little further. Negative people are always broke. You can't be blessed when you're complaining. Am I telling the truth? They're always broke. They're always desperate. They're always involved in drama lama, ding dong. And not only that, they take others down their own road as well and make them twice as hopeless and as desperate as they are. We know the old adage, one rotten apple spoils the bushel, right? You lay down with dogs, you wake up with fleas, right? What happens is this, murmuring spirits, they never change for the better. They always go for the worse. Murmurers never have peace. Peace is impossible for a complainer. Now let me just tell you something, because I want to apply what we're seeing here to, t- to today. So I know emotions are high, praise God, and I'm going to be gentle and careful, but I want you to understand that what I'm about to talk is about the spiritual side, the spiritual nature. Amen? So stay spiritual. Turn to your neighbor, say, "Get spiritual right now in the name of Jesus." Stay spiritual. Stop tripping. When we're complaining all the time, it just produces rage, and violence, and hatred, and discord. If we want to see peace in our streets, the first step would be, stop complaining. Be a part of the solution find ways to forgive one another, to heal, to be restored, to restore order in our land. We have this terrible, terrible tragedy that is going on in our nation right now. And I'm telling you, listen, you know, there are people trying to justify this. I Listen, George Floyd, I don't care what he did in his life. He, he did a lot of different things, but there's no reason that he deserved to die the way he did. I'm totally in agreement with that. And it needs to be said from the pulpit. And I can't be afraid to share the the word with you. Amen? What happened to him was injustice. But what is happening now is not justice. It's rage. It's wicked. It's evil. It's okay to demand justice. Absolutely. Absolutely. But when it goes to looting and when it goes to violence and destruction of property and killing your brothers and murdering one another, then your argument is null and void. You have just erased all of the protests. You have now lost your position. You cannot be respected when you're hurting someone else. You now have taken on the very position that you are marching against. You have become the bully you have become the destroyer and you are in league with the devil. What happened to walking in love? What happened to walking in the spirit of truth? What about prayer? Praying for our nation, praying for change. You know why people don't pray more? Because they don't believe that it works. If you believed in prayer, you would pray. If you serve the Lord like you say you serve the Lord, you would pray. I could show you so many great videos. So many people have been showing me stuff, beautiful stories of how this horrible, tragic, awful, heinous murder of George Floyd is now bringing communities together, raising awareness, bringing positivity. There's so much beautiful that has come from this. Beauty rising from the ashes. I don't minimize what took place. Stay with me. I feel it in the Spirit. But I'm telling you the truth, the media is not going to show you the stories of the policemen that are hugging little African American boys, that are hugging each other, that are taking knees with each other, that are walking down the street with each other. When when our own Middletown Police Department held up signs, they themselves and said, we're against police brutality. We're against it. Why isn't the news putting that up? Because it doesn't feed the narrative. They want us to hate each other. They want to race bait each other. Don't take the bait. Don't let the media teach you how to hate. Don't let the media teach you who to hate. Don't let the media tell you that it's okay to kill, to rob, and to destroy because that job, according to the word, is reserved for the devil. I got to tell you the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed to use that word in a gentle manner. Because I have other adjectives I'd like to use. Thank you, Lord, for touching my lips with a burning coal from your altar. So I don't make an idiot or a fool of myself and disgrace this altar. We have people now apologizing for the color of their skin. I'm furious about that. I'm sorry that I'm white. I'm sorry for what my people did to you. Get over it. Forgive. You should not have to apologize for the way that you were born. God was the one that chose your pigmentation. It's absurd. We've got uh, all kinds of people apologizing for the way that God created them. I know one thing. God makes everything right. He does all things well. Hallelujah. God don't make no mistakes. What's happening is we're not teaching each other how to love, how to forgive, how, how to work together, how to speak, how to find solutions. Remember that love covers multitude of sin. Love conquers hate. Instead, we're told... Fight with each other. Destroy the country. Destroy the land. Let me tell you that murmuring is a stronghold. We got people murmuring against the president who didn't even do nothing. I get people calling me all the time. Our president's this and president's that. Get over it. Pray. Are you praying for the president? Don't complain to me. I'm going to blow up your party. Pray. Are you a child of God or not? Pray. What can I do? Pray. That's how I'm fighting. How are you fighting? Pray. Pray. Thank you, Lord. Did you know that when you hate anyone, that's also a stronghold. But it's a very wicked, dastardly sin. The Bible says if you hate your brother, especially the one who you see right next to you, if you hate anyone for the color of their skin, for the way that they believe, the way that they act, if you hate anybody, the Bible calls you a murderer. You cannot be a Christian and be without love. It's an oxymoron. A loveless Christian doesn't exist. If you have spots in your love fest, you need to repent And then we bring this type of murmuring and this type of spirit into the house of God. And then anyone that is at range is at danger. Anyone around is in risk of injury or abuse. We depreciate the very thing that God has given us. When we bring this behavior into the church of God. It's tremendously wicked and destructive. It separates brethren. It causes disunity. I, I, I tell you, before the riots happened, uh, uh, during the time of President Obama, you know, people were happy with President Obama and the people that didn't like him left the church. And now President Trump, the people that love President Trump, now the president, people that don't like President Trump, now they leave the church. It's when are we gonna get past this foolishness? What happens is this disunity, you know what it causes? Spiritual impotence. That's it. Hey. No life, no seed, no ability to procreate, no ability to be fruitful and multiply, no power, no authority, no dominion. We're too busy criticizing each other. The Bible calls us to guard against the wickedness that's in the world. We're to walk in love. Do you know that the world, their only representation of what it is to be a child of God is to look at the life of the believers, the salt and the light of the earth what we're seeing now is the same thing that Noah saw in his days the Bible said they woke up and thought of evil continuously day in, day out, evil every single day and he says all flesh has come before my side I need to destroy the whole earth God ain't down with violence, God's not down with rage and hating each other we're supposed to love each other don't lose sight stay focused Naaman Allowed his feelings to get in the way. And he was going to head back home with an incurable illness. He was turning away from the only thing that could have saved him. Again, obedience to God's word. Let me read you a little story. Please pay attention. Dr. Leo Winters is a Chicago surgeon. And one night he was woken up by the phone ringing. And a young boy had been badly injured in a late night accident. The wounds were so severe that Dr. Winters was probably the only person in the city or maybe even that whole region of Illinois who was capable of saving the boy's life. The fastest route to the hospital happened to pass through a a rough area of Chicago, but with the time being such a critical factor, the doctor took the risk. He had almost made it through the neighborhood, and then at a red light, his door was jerked open by a big man in a gray hat and a dirty flannel shirt. And he said to the doctor, I've got to have your car. The man shouted, and he pulled the doctor out from his seat and threw Dr. Winters on the floor. Dr. Winters tried to explain the gravity of the situation, but the man wasn't listening. He shot off in Dr. Winters' car. The doctor ran around for about 45 minutes to find a payphone that worked. When he finally got a a taxi, he made it to the hospital. Over an hour had passed. He rushed through the doors to to the casualty department, but the nurse on duty shook her head. She said, Dr. Winters, it's too late. The boy passed away 30 minutes ago. I'm so sorry. My car was hijacked on my way over here, he exclaimed. The nurse told him, listen, the boy's dad, had got here before he died. He is outside in the lobby. He is heartbroken. He doesn't understand why you never came. So Dr. Winters walked hurriedly down the hall and saw a man sitting there with his head in his hands. There was a gray hat on the floor in front of him, and he wore a dirty flannel shirt. It was the same man who had stolen the doctor's car an hour earlier. When he stole that car, he had pushed away from him and from his son's life, the only one who can help him. People, don't push God's word aside. Even if it hurts, even if you're going through a storm, even when it doesn't make sense, let your ears be open. Listen, hear, and obey. It just might save your life. Stop letting situations around you dictate your actions and your reactions. Naaman's servants came to him and they spoke a word. They said, my father, if the prophet told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? If he told you to walk up a mountain on your knees or fast for 40 days and 40 nights, wouldn't you have done it if he told you, give him all that gold and silver in your cart? Wouldn't you have done it if he told you anything else, you would have done it. But he tells you something so simple. Go dip in the Jordan River seven times and you will be made whole. Why not just obey? People of God, we have to speak words of life. We have to be ministers of righteousness and turn a murmuring, wicked, wounded complainer into a healed and transformed believer. The Spirit of God, we need to have the Spirit rise up in us. The fruits of the Spirit, love and gentleness and kindness and mercy. We have to be able to speak the words of life into dark, dreary dramas of so many people's lives. It will save a soul from sure death. And when you get the word of God, don't add on to it. Don't embellish. Don't change the message. Just keep it simple. Every church nowadays is trying to add to the message. You don't need to give the gospel a facelift. Just preach the same word that has rescued the sinner from the beginning of time to now. Hallelujah. Stop putting smoke machines and and, and video lights and laser beams and all that. You don't need all that. Just preach the word. The general listened to a little slave girl. He listened to Elijah's servant. He listened to his own servants. Three nobodies because of the power of God that was used in their words. Do you know that kindness attracts? Kindness pulls in. Kindness draws in. Did you know that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit? So, even while he was still angry, even while he was still hurt, even while he was still annoyed, still full of arrogant pride, he got off his horse and he chose to humble himself. He chose humility. He came down from his high position of authority and he came down level eye to eye with the servants. He wasn't looking down anymore or complaining. But he started to see, if I don't do this as they have instructed, I'm not going to be healed. I got to start listening and obeying the command of the man of God. So what did he do? He took off his helmet. He took off his breastplate. He took off all of his armor, all of his vestments. He took it away from the hardness of his heart. Hallelujah. I'm telling you the truth. If you want healing today, if you want the Lord to do things, there might be some things that you need to take off. There might need to be some toxic relationships. There might need to be some pride, some unforgiveness, some rejection. Uh, you might have to take a few things off in order to be made whole again. You yourself may need to come down off of your high horse and humble yourself before the Lord so that in due time... He He would raise you up again. Get rid of whatever it is that is keeping you bound. To go high, you must first go low. low. Uh Think of this seven times. Why not just one dip? But Elijah said seven times. Elisha knew the word of God. Leviticus fourteen seven says, and he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from leprosy and shall pronounce him clean. You see, Elijah knew the word of God because his, his mentor, Elijah, had poured into him all the time they were together. But I'm going to take it a little deeper this morning. Amen. Okay. The Bible says when a demon comes out, and leaves. He tries to find somewhere to go. But if he can't find somewhere else to go, he comes back. And this time, he brings seven more demons that are worse than the first. And they all take up residence in the host. There must have been seven real wicked demons in there. He had to drown some demons. Can I get an amen up in here? Sometimes we got to jump in and drown the devil out. Hallelujah. Get into the secret place. Get into a certain atmosphere where a demon can't rain on you. Where a demon can't breathe. And you get in there until the bubbles come out. Hallelujah. And the demons got to go. They got to go. There's no place. Dip one, nothing. Dip two, nothing. Dip three, four, five, six, nothing. How many would have stopped? After three or four dips. This man of God is tripping. Stay the course, people. When you hear the word of the Lord, go through the the completion. Follow it. Stay the course. On the seventh time, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord says that he came up clean. He was miraculously healed. His skin was like a baby. Glory to God. And from that point on, Naaman repented and served the Lord. And these are the words that he said. Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant, Now you have your Bibles open. The next verses I'm going to paraphrase for the purpose of time. Verses 16 through 27. Here's Elijah's answer when he was going to be offered the gifts. I want you to listen very closely. As sure as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept anything. You know what he was saying? God is enough. God is my reward. The Lord told me to do his will, and that's all I did. I don't need anything special. I don't need no fancy pageantry. I don't need no new clothes. I don't need gold or silver, because what is here today is gone tomorrow. I don't need anything from you. And we know the story. You know, uh, the, the the Naaman says, well, listen, uh, I'm going to take some earth back. I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to go back home, and, and what I'm going to do is just worship the God of Israel, but... Because I'm a general, my king is going to demand that one day I might have to bow down. Will you please ask God if I have to bow down to some false god that he would forgive me? I'm just doing my duty, carrying out my duty, but I'm not worshiping that god. I'm worshiping your god. Elijah said, go. Elisha. He said, go in peace. Don't worry about it. But all this time, he had a servant hanging by the wings. The servant's name was Gehazi. Now, how many know that names have meanings? I looked up the name Gehazi, and you know what it says? His name means a valley of a visionary. He had big plans. He had big dreams. And he was hooked up with Elisha. I want you to understand that. He watched Naaman interact with Elisha. He saw the gifts, the silver, the gold, the fine clothes, and he became covetous. He became greedy. He wanted something for himself. He didn't want to bless Elijah. He didn't want to bless no servants. He wanted something for himself. He wanted more. Remember last week, Moses asked God for more, and he said, I want to see your glory. It's not a sin to ask God for more. God wants to bless you with more. But it is a sin when we're greedy for the things of the world. Go with to last week's message and you'll get a whole a mouthful on that. Greed filled his heart. Greed blinded him to God. Greed created an illusion of wealth. Proverbs 13:11. It says, "Dishonest money dwindles away." Gahazi, I want you to pay attention. Please don't miss this. I want you to pay attention. Verse number 20. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master was too easy on Naaman, this Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought. Here's where it gets interesting. As sure as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. Now, when he said, as sure as the Lord lives... You know what he was doing? He was talking church lingo church etiquette how many of us come into church we know when to say amen we know when to shout we know when to sit we know when to stand and he's been hanging around elijah and and as as we read in second kings when elijah says as sure as the lord lives i will not leave your side as sure as the lord lives i will not leave your side he said it three times and then he saw elijah go up into heaven and the mantle fell on him and here we said as sure as the lord lives whom i serve I will not accept your gift. And so now the student is trying to become the teacher. As sure as the Lord lives, I'm going to hook myself up with a little something, something. And then he tried to put some church etiquette on it to make it stick. These are Elijah's words. Saints of God, we need to be careful when the student rises up and tries to be the teacher. Because the anointing is costly. Get your own anointing. Don't try to usurp the cost. Don't try to circumvent the the, the process. Don't try to delay it and say, I can't wait anymore. I need to be in the front lines. I want to be like my teacher. I'm going to start talking like my teacher. I'm going to get the same haircut as my teacher. I'm going to wear the same perfume, the same cologne. I'm going to wear the same polo shirt that he's wearing so I can be just like him, just like her. Get your own anointing. Get your own anointing. Count the cost in Jesus' name. Remember the seven sons of Sceva. I talked about them. The demon said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? You can't fake it till you make it. Your sins will find you out. Spend time with the Lord yourself. Get off your high horse like Naaman had to get off his high horse. Look at it this way. Naaman got down from the high horse. Elijah, it doesn't say in the word, but we know that Naaman was going away with his chariots. Elisha, uh, uh, Gehazi must have climbed onto his high horse to chase after Naaman. Look at the, look at the, the, the shift here. The visionary had a get-rich-quick plan. Let me read what he said in verse 21 through 24. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running towards him, he got down from, uh, uh, from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right, he asked. Oh, yeah, everything is all right, bro. Everything, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Everything is all right, Gehazi answered. My master sent me, oh, here it goes, listen. My master sent me to say, two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill and country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. He looks and he answers him. He says, by all means, take two talents, said Naaman. He urged Gehazi to accept them and then tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing and he gave them to his servants and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house and he sent the men away and they left. You know what that is? That's called a lie. Not only the lie, but to really put some stank on it. He got two servants to follow him and included them in the lie. Yeah. Just for good measure. I, I got two servants. There they go. They're right there. And, and they want one talent each and two, two sets of clothes. Yes, sure. No problem. I'll hook you up. Okay, guys. I'll catch up with you later. Peace out. So that he could look all prim and proper. And he didn't take anything for himself because he's too... Too spiritual. I'm too holy. I'm the servant of Elisha. I'm too holy to contaminate my hands with anything. How many know that the truth always prevails? The truth is its own defense. The truth doesn't need a lawyer. Elisha was a man of God. Uh, His servant Gehazi should have paid attention a little bit more in Sunday school. He should have learned that God speaks to the prophet of God. Gehazi should have known that God would expose his sin. And we read a little further. Elisha now goes to him and asks him a question. Gehazi, where were you today? Here comes lie number two. Oh, I I wasn't anywhere. I was chilling right here. Watching the Yankees. On TV. I was chilling. You want a cup of coffee? Why can't people just tell the truth? Yeah. When you tell the truth, you don't have to remember the lies. Amen. And what they do is when they start lying, you got to cover one lie yeah. with another lie, and it becomes a whole pattern yeah. of deception. You yeah. can't abide in the truth because like John 8:44 says, you belong to your father, the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Christians, stop lying. Amen. Stop lying on your taxes. Stop lying to your boss. Stop lying to other about how God is using you. Stop lying to everybody else about all these things. The Bible says that liars shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to what Elijah said in response to him. Was not my spirit with you? When the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes or olive groves or vineyards or flocks and herds or male and female slaves? Naaman's leprosy will cling to you now and your descendants forever. And then Gehazi went from Elijah's presence and his skin was leprous and it has become as white as snow. Hmm. Didn't you observe? Didn't you learn anything? Didn't you know my heart? Didn't you know my spirit was not my spirit with you when you saw everything unfold? Freely we have received. Freely we're to give. Didn't you hear me, myself, pass up the gifts? Why did you allow evil to enter into your heart? Why did you want to cash in? Your greedy heart has deceived you. Your lies have betrayed you. Your greed and your covetousness has caused you to minister only to yourself. Your selfishness and your secret plotting has now caused you to inherit the sickness. Not only on your life, But your whole family, your descendants, your children's children and forever will all be afflicted. Your name will go down as a leprous family forever because of your wickedness. How many understand that our actions have consequences? If we need anything from God, all we have to do is ask the Lord. King David, if he wanted Bathsheba so badly, all he had to do was ask God for her. Even the prophet told him. But instead, he killed for her. And the consequences of his life is that the sword never left his house. People of God, think. Think. Before you do something, think. Before you say something, think. Think before you act. Brother Allen read James earlier. James 4, verse 2 and 4. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. And I'm not even just talking physical. Sometimes we kill each other. We assassinate them verbally. We tear people down. We kill them with our words. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend it on what you get with your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Listen to Jesus' words. Right after he spoke about the widow of Zarephath in Luke 4, It says, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. What made him different? We know that Naaman first had to humble himself and become obedient to the word of God. His humility led him to obey His obedience led him to the healing. His healing led him to surrender his life to serving God. And therefore the result was salvation of his soul. Gehazi, the so-called servant of the Lord. The servant of Elijah. Let me tell you something. Titles mean nothing. It's toilet paper. Titles mean nothing. What about character? What about faithfulness? Are you able to teach others? The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.2, commit thou to faithful men who are able to teach others also. He got into his high horse. He wanted to parade like he was the big shot. He went in secret. He satisfied himself in the things of the world. When the servants came back home, he said, listen, those two little talents, they're mine. I concocted this whole plan. They belong to me. He took it back for himself. Bible says what is sown in darkness will come to life, come to light. He received what he sought after. He received the wages of this world. Proverbs 10 16 it says the wages of righteousness is life but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. I'm coming to my close. There's a dichotomy here that we need to understand. The choice is yours We could learn these lessons and take note of it in our life. Naaman, the the general, the proud murmurer, was healed because of his act of humility and obedience to God's word. He stopped complaining. He stopped murmuring. And he was rewarded with life and peace. Obedience brought him to his blessings. All he had to do was trust and obey. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, was destroyed and led astray by his greed. He followed his own words, the false trinity, me, myself, and I. He had the plans of his own heart. He lied to achieve, lied to obtain. Nothing that is ever built on a lie is going to stand. The reward for his greed was a curse. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There's a way that appears to be right to a man, but in the end, it is the path to death. Both of these men wanted something. Both of these men needed something. But both of them chose a way to obtain it. Is there any greed in your life? Is there any strong desire for power, for influence, for acceptance, for attention, for respect, for status, for money, for health, What is it that you desire that is so much that it consumes you? Or do you have a desire to have more of God? All we need to do is ask. I'm going to give you homework this week because we're in Sunday school. Amen. Write this down in your notes Deuteronomy chapter 28. This chapter is about the blessings for obedience and the cursings for disobedience. I want you to study that. Oftentimes people say, what am I going to read this week? I don't even know where to begin. there's There's your lesson. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Stop complaining. Stop being led by your emotions. Trust in the Lord. Obey His Word. Let us all humble ourselves before the Lord and then receive the wonderful blessings of Almighty God. I hope you learned something today. We need to spread love in our dark climate. We are the answer. We are the solution. It's okay to voice your opinion. It's okay to make your voice heard. But don't join with the complainers. Be set apart. Amen. And let the blessings of the Lord be added unto you and your household. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. Hallelujah.
0: We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845 9560133 Once again that's www.specchurch.net or 8459560133 We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.